Welcome back to the pod, guys. It's Austin. We got another episode this week. And getting back on track with things, this is a topic I've actually been waiting to cover for a while now, uh, considering that most of our conversation has been uh, around gun ownership, first-time gun owners, uh, which makes sense given everything that's going on. A lot of people buying guns, buying more guns, uh, buying different types of guns. If you're one of those people that didn't either have a handgun before, maybe you're starting to conceal now, or maybe you went out and bought your first AR-15. Uh, maybe you've never owned a gun before, period. So you went out and bought a shotgun because that's what you know you thought was the best for home defense or whatever, whatever purposes that you have. So today we're going to talk about... Uh, well, the training options that you guys have off the range. Um, right now, uh, if you're in a situation similar to to most people, to mine, uh, ammo right now is extremely hard to come by, with the exception of a few uh, a few calibers. Let's just you know call the expensive calibers, or if you want to pay uh, you know exorbitant prices, you can of course you can get it. You know. Um, but for the most part, you can't really get ammo, and a lot of ranges are still not open. Looking at your major handgun calibers right now, uh, 380, 9mm, 40 Smith & Wesson, and uh, 45, can't find it. Uh, you look at 223556, which is your standard AR-15 round. Impo- not impossible, but difficult to find for a reasonable price. Um, even looking at 300 Blackout or 308. Hard to come by, again, at a reasonable price. Those are more expensive rounds to begin with. So in a time when more people than ever are buying firearms, I think it's really important that we talk about knowing how to use your firearm, right? Uh, Being comfortable with it, being confident with it. Uh, If it's almost, if, if, if you're in a situation where you need a gun, right? Especially if we're talking about self defense, home defense, whatever. Uh, having a gun and not knowing how to use it properly is honestly probably worse than just not having one. Uh, and I say that because uh, accountability is huge as a firearm owner, right? We talk about this. It's a responsibility. You're responsible for every pull of that trigger. Every, every bullet that leaves that barrel, you're responsible for what happens to that. Whether you hit somebody, uh, you know, a home intruder... Um, or whether you miss them and it penetrates the wall and goes into the next room, or, you know, if you're, you live in a home, that's a siding home, uh, it leaves your home and enters your neighbors or, I mean, whatever you're responsible for all of that. So knowing how to handle your weapon, knowing how to manipulate your weapon, uh, properly, confidently, and really even beyond that, understanding your, your situations, understanding what you're looking at is in terms of defense situations is paramount. It really is because it's a life changing experience in more ways than one. Um, so how can we, how can you get better, right? How can you train at home? Uh, how can you utilize all this downtime? It seems like we have since while the world is opening up, it really almost isn't because there's so many limitations. And even then a lot of people are afraid to leave the house. Uh, the biggest thing you can do is dry fire. When I say dry fire, it just means you pull the trigger with no ammo in the gun. Now, disclaimer, when you set out to do dry fire practice, please make sure 
that there's no live ammunition in the room and clear the weapon. Okay. Clear the weapon, make sure it's unloaded, all that good stuff. Okay. Put yourself in the best possible situation to succeed and not have a negligent discharge because that's not fun either. Right. So dry fire, pulling the trigger, going through the motions, manipulating the weapon, right. With no ammo. And this is huge. You talk to anybody who's a uh, successful shooter, whether it's competition, law enforcement, military, dry firing fixes so many problems and it costs nothing. All right. So, excuse me, what can you, what can you fix, right? Looking at the list that I put together here, trigger press and reset. And what that means is when your finger makes contact with that trigger, how much take up you have before you, you hit the wall, you start to feel pressure on it, um, how it feels before it breaks. And then when you, you know, you'll rack the slide and you let the trigger out and it resets. Understanding that mechanic right there is really, really important. Getting comfortable with the gun that you're going to be carrying uh, and shooting. Um, a lot of the reasons that people carry the same kind or same brand of gun, uh, let's say you have a Glock 17 or a Glock 19. <clears throat> you carry a Glock 43, 43X, uh, 26, something a little bit smaller. The trigger mechanics on those are pretty much the same. Okay. Uh, it's going to feel very, very similar. So in theory, you get used to one of them. You're good with the family there. Uh, I know my first carry gun was a nine millimeter Smith and Wesson shield from the M and P line. Um, the first full size pistol I bought was a, was the, their full size M and P nine millimeter 17 rounder. The grips were similar. The trigger pull was not quite the same. It was a little bit better in the shield, honestly. Um, but you know, trigger shape is the same ergonomics and grip angle are the same. So that's, that's a big one. Um, the next thing that I think a lot of people overlook when they, when they practice is, uh, just sight alignment, right? In the event that you have to use your gun, how quickly can you pick up your sights? Whether you have a red dot, um, like an optic, <clears throat> excuse me, under a red dot optic, uh, or you have the, uh, the high visibility sights, you know, the two green dots in the back and the red in the front, whatever, how quickly you can line those up and pick that up is important. Um, and understanding really how, how that has to work, uh, to be accurate, to be accountable. Right. Uh, and you don't even have to have a holster for that stuff. Right. You can just start from either just a compressed position or a low position or something. The gun is down um, in a in a position like it would be. Uh, you know, if you're not if you're not pointing it, if you're not aiming it, right? Because you only want to point the gun at something you're ready to destroy. So we should never really be pointing this unless we're sure there's something out there we need to shoot, kill, destroy, what what have you. Um, you can work on things like target transition. Um, it's as simple as putting, you know, you put two pieces of tape on a wall a couple feet apart, okay? Um, and you, you don't even need to necessarily work on the trigger press with that. Uh, that can be as simple as getting the sights to follow your eyes. What I mean is you aim, you line up the sights, maybe pull that trigger, maybe not, and then find that next target with your eyes and get the sights to track with it and line those up, okay? Uh, it sounds really simple. It's not. Uh, or at least not to be efficient and quick with it. Um, and just because you can do it a couple of times, it's it's something that you want to 
under be able to do well enough that under stress you're going to be able to repeat that right that's a big thing under stress okay keep in mind with all this stuff that just because you can do it while you're standing still in your pajamas or your jeans in your basement or whatever um you're not just doing it so that you can't so you can get it right once or twice or five times you want to you know uh in a sense rehearse these things really to where you can't get it wrong uh you want to fall back on those uh on those, that muscle memory um, to, to make sure that when you need to use this kind of a skill that you have it, you know, it's in your, the back of your mind there waiting to be called on. Um, also, if you're, you know, looking at talking about target transitions, um, distances, right? Near and far, put a target up close, maybe three feet away from you. And then across the room, 20 feet, 15 feet, or put another one. Um, changing your depth perception is, is something worth considering whether you're using a pistol, a rifle, you know. Um, one of the things that was pointed out to me when I took my concealed carry class and there was a uh, former sheriff uh, deputy that w- was giving the class uh, is, is one thing to keep in mind in, in, in self-defense situations is um, if there's one bad guy, there's usually another bad guy, Right. They travel in friends. There's safety in numbers, right? Same thing you talk about with your own personal defense or home defense. Um, it's the same for anybody else who's looking to do harm, right? You know, safety in numbers. Uh, so, so all, you know, transitions are important, right? Um, now, if you're if you're talking about running a couple different guns, maybe a rifle and then a pistol and a holster or something, transitioning between those two. Um, is something that's really important, knowing how to do it um, so that you can safely access everything, right? Where's your ammo at? Uh, how you, Where are you going to put the rifle? Are you just going to drop it straight down, rack yourself in the junk? Are you going to dump it to one side or the other? Uh, you know, how are you going to do that? And then vice versa, right? If you have a pistol and you're trying to transition back to a rifle, are you competent with that? Do you have to stare down at the holster to reholster? That's all stuff you can do and practice without any ammo. It costs literally nothing. Um, talking about rifle, because I and that's I think um, really the the new hotness, right? That's it's sexy, right? You see it on Instagram and YouTube, people running rifle drills and stuff, and it's fun. You know, there's a, an amount of uh, enjoyment that comes to this stuff. Uh, the big stuff that you start to see now, though, is you know things like barricades um, which is useful shooting around objects and transitioning between shoulders right if you have to shoot through a doorway um, and you're a right-handed shooter are you going to be able to put it on your left shoulder and shoot competently um, you know I know the first couple times that I did it I, it it's weird getting your non-dominant eye down a scope or down an optic while your left hand's on the trigger you know it's just it's goofy, right? You look at like your your athletes, your your star performing uh, like basketball players. They learn how to dribble with both hands. Why? Because given the situation they're in, it may make more sense to be dribbling with the other hand, right? The same principle applies here. Um, a big one, and this is any firearm. If your if your weapon has an external safety. That safety should be on, right? Until you bring the gun up, until you're aiming down, you're ready to use that thing, that safety should be on. Part of your manual of arms should be to disengage that safety when you're ready to shoot. Under stress, think about how badly that could go 
if you pick that gun up to shoot somebody and you forget that the safety's there and you see it, it's a joke in a bunch of movies. I couldn't even tell you how many movies, um, but it's, it's a real thing, you know, know your firearm, uh, know the safety on it and know how to manipulate it, whether it's a large safety or, or, or not, you know, it's on a shotgun. It could be just a little push button, uh, behind your trigger guard uh, on your, your handguns. It could be a large lever or a small lever, you know, look at some of the 1911s out there, they have big old paddle switches for their safety selector. Uh, but then you look at something like a Smith and Wesson shield, man, that thing could not be smaller. And I get it because you don't want it to flip off on accident, but at the same time, it needs to be large enough that you can manipulate that freely. Um, personally, I don't, I don't carry, uh, pistols that use external safeties, uh, striker fired guns like Glocks, uh, like the M and P series from Smith and Wesson, uh, like the, the SIG P320, um, the CZ P10 series, uh, you know, those are all striker fired. They have internal safety measures and they're drop safe. Uh, and that means exactly what it, what I said, it's drop safe. You can drop it and it won't go off. Now you look at hammer fired guns, like your 1911s, uh, revolvers, stuff like that, uh, Berettas, those all have, well, revolvers don't, but, um, the other ones I mentioned, they have external safeties and, and decockers sometimes uh, for that specific reason so that you can carry the weapon safely. Uh, and if it sounds like a lot of extra work, it, it can be, but it could also not be. It just depends on how much you train with what you have. It doesn't do you any good if you buy a gun, you take it to the range once, and then you stick it in a box and shove it in your nightstand. And then two years from now, something happens and you go to use it. You can't remember if it's loaded. You can't remember how to work the safety. You don't know what kind of site. I mean, oh, there's so many variables in those situations, not to mention uh, how you're going to react under stress. So it's important. It's like practicing anything else, right? A sport, math, anything. It is a perishable skill. It's something that you need to pay attention to. Um, Another one that is big right now, especially because you're starting to see this become really popular, is attaching a tack light to the bottom of your pistol. Or if you carry a concealed, uh, like a like a slim uh, single stack concealable gun that doesn't have a light attached to it, you should still carry a white light, a separate one that you can you can use either with or without your firearm. But knowing how to manipulate that. Um, one big thing that is overlooked, I think, um, and by myself especially, I do not practice this nearly enough, um, and I really, really need to. Uh, bad guys are usually doing stuff at night, right? Think about it. I mean, I mean, statistically, uh, burglaries, break-ins, stuff like that takes place at night, and you can't shoot what you can't see, or you, you shouldn't try to, right? Um, so having a, a light is a really good idea, uh, but it can also if you just leave that thing on, can give away your position and make you an easy target. So what if this home invader has a gun of their own or, you know, whatever situation you find yourself in, being disciplined with how you use your light uh, is a good skill set to develop or at least be familiar with. Um, and like I said, I think it's pretty, it's, it's pretty often overlooked. Whatever it is that you're working on, though, whether it's any of the stuff we talked about or even something else that you figured out for yourself – um, <clears throat> isolation is important, man. You look at it with, uh, music, look at it with sports, 
look at it with with anything you know everything's relative right einstein was a really smart guy that theory of relativity everything is relative so uh I, you know I, I was a, i am a musician whenever we needed to work on things we isolated right you don't just work on a five minute song over and over and over and over again hoping it gets better no if you're having problems with one three second or five second spot you just you isolate that or maybe it's one skill set the same is true here okay isolating your individual skills is crucial in in building up to something greater um faster is not always better okay slow is smooth and smooth is fast okay so start slow work it out and once you have everything figured out uh mechanics wise you know then you can start to build speed you can start to uh, round a few corners so to speak you can start to pick up some things here and there what's gonna make a big difference for for you okay and a lot of this is dependent honestly on uh a the the kind of firearm you carry but b your body type right um maybe you're a bigger guy right like i am and you can't appendix carry um appendix meaning you carry the gun and a spare magazine typically uh at the front where your belt buckle goes now it's great for concealment because that's the widest part of your body however it's not the most comfortable so maybe you carry a gun strong side three or four o'clock and then your spare magazine to the nine o'clock, right? So while it's all great and everything to practice out of a appendix setup, what are you more likely to do? What's more comfortable? And that's really how you should carry is the most comfortable way to do it uh, and train that way, right? Know where you're reaching, know how you have your gear, your kit, whatever you want to call it, your supplies, uh, know where they're at and know how to get to them and practice that way. Whether it's on uh, uh, an external belt, like a battle belt or a competition belt, or you're concealing under a shirt or something. If you know where that stuff's located and it's different for everyone, um, that's big, right? That 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 saves seconds um, in, in situations where seconds are the difference between life and death, right? So building isolation, uh, isolated skills, I'm sorry, uh, will build into larger skill sets and you'll start to see more improvement. But again, something you got to take your time with it. Uh, none of this stuff was ever done overnight. No one's ever great at it the first day. And that's, that's worth keeping in mind. So just cause you can't go as fast as some of the guys you see on YouTube, that's okay. You know, they were beginning, you know, at that, at one point as well. And I'm not good at a lot of this. Most of this I'm not good at, but I still practice because A, I want to get better. B, I enjoy it. But C, because, uh, you know, my life could depend on this someday. So I'd rather work on it and, uh, you know, maybe kill some time during the the, uh, the Rona lockdown. And, you know, and then I, I kind of killed two birds with one stone there. So where can you... Where can you go, right? Where, where can you look for information on this? Because I know I just threw out a bunch of stuff and I'm sure a lot of you listening that maybe have never dealt with this or have a, like a super limited idea of what this means. Like, okay, this is great, but I, you're just talking. I can't see anything. Where can I go for demonstrations on this? Obviously, the first one right now that everyone goes to for pretty much a how-to on anything is YouTube, right? Uh, and YouTube's awesome. There is a lot of great content out there by a lot of different people uh, in a lot of different walks of life, right? Um, you talk about concealment is different from overt carrying, right? Open carry out in a holster on a battle belt. Um, 
if you conceal, you know, where you're concealing from. Uh, but there's a lot of good uh, pages out there on, on YouTube, right? Uh, the most popular ones, that, at least that I've seen, are ones that I frequent on YouTube, uh, T-Rex Arms. They have great content. Uh, I don't always agree with, with the choices. Um, but then again, this is all, uh, it's subjective, right? Uh, he's a really skinny guy. I'm not. So the way he carries and the way I carry are a little bit different. Uh, his firearm choices aren't always the same as mine. Um, it's really easy to see what he's talking about and cause he backs everything up with data and information. So that way, if you find yourself disagreeing, he at least supports it with good information. You can go, oh, that's why it works for him and may not for me. Or, hey, that's a really good point. I never thought about it that way. I'm wrong. Maybe I should change. Uh, another couple of good ones to check out are uh, Warrior Poet Society. It's uh, John Lovell's uh, YouTube page. Um, Chris Costa has been around a long time. and uh, was one of the first guys getting started on those Magpul DVDs back in the day. Uh, he's got a lot of good information out there talking about things like establishing a good grip and ergonomics. Uh, him and Travis Haley, who's another great source on YouTube right now, uh, were big in Magpul probably around, I want to say like 2011, 2012 or something like that. I could be wrong. Uh, but they were two of the first big guys to kind of start with this stuff once social media really picked up in the gun world. Um, and they're, both those guys, Costa and Haley, are big on biomechanics and how using your body's natural lines and things to support a good grip uh, and just being really smart and well thought out. Again, you might not agree with everything and it might not work the way that they want you to do it for how your body's built. Um, but again, it's good information and it's definitely worth checking out. Um, another shooter that I've seen a lot on uh, YouTube and Instagram is, uh, I think his, his handle's Milspec Mojo. Uh, phenomenal shooter. I believe he's in the military and law enforcement. Um, there's Honestly, guys, there, there's just a ton of great content out there if you just look. Um, there's also a lot of um, information from bad sources. So, Try and take everything with a grain of salt. Um, there's a lot of channels out there of guys, you know, reviewing firearms, uh, reviewing optics and stuff. And it's uh, some of it's fun to watch. You know, oh, here, let me blow a hole in this refrigerator. Well, that's awesome. But are you really going to get a lot out of that? Um, you know, the guy reviewing the Uncle Mike's uh, nylon holster. Again, probably maybe not the best content. Uh, one of the, the big giveaways is the quality of the video um, and the production value, if it's, and that's not to say that you can't get good information from videos that are done on a budget, uh, but usually the guys who know what they're talking about have been doing this a while and have the uh, the support and the backing to to produce higher quality content. Um, so just take everything you see with a grain of salt and really kind of try and. You know, if you're looking at how to draw from concealment or how to do rifle uh, target transitions, don't just watch one video. You know, um, it's easy to go down those wormholes in YouTube anyway. So maybe take an hour or two and watch 17 or 18 or whatever different videos on this stuff and go, okay, so here's what I saw a lot of. Um, and here's what I saw just a couple of things. You can, you can start to put it together for yourself, you know, uh, if you want to invest in a little bit, I know there's some subscription services out there and it's starting to get a little more common. Uh, Greyhive is a good one right now. Uh, that's got a lot of good dudes behind it. A lot of former military and law enforcement experience. Um, they do their website has articles and some short videos as well that are free. Um, and again, they back everything up with data and that's the 
probably the most standout feature with guys that really know what they're talking about is they will support it and explain it and they'll give you the they'll answer the why not just the what to do but why to do it that way another one that i've heard good things about um have not personally checked out is warrior poet network um that's john lovell's uh, his youtube page was getting really really big very popular um he's starting his own subscription based service he is a former army ranger i believe so he's another good one with real world experience to back up what he's saying and explain why he does it that way. And the guys he works with same way. Um, Fieldcraft survival is another one. Uh, just thinking about it. Those guys have a, a good podcast and they're starting to put out a lot of content on YouTube. Uh, that's really, really good stuff. Definitely worth checking out. Um, and like, but like, you know, like I was saying, understand what you're looking for. Don't just, don't take the first thing you see and run with it. Um, if you're looking for something in print, uh, I know, uh, I'm probably gonna butcher this guy's name, Ben Stoger. Uh, he's a competition shooter. So it's a little bit different in the competition world versus the defensive shooting world. That said, a lot of the dry fire drills in his book are applicable in more than just the competition setting. Now, you know, you don't need to build the wooden square to start in and do all kinds of plate rack type stuff uh, with the dry firing targets like some of his drills suggest, but a lot of it in terms of explaining how to hold yourself accountable and talking about standards is really valuable information, as well as giving you a couple different concepts and ideas of drills to work on. Um, and so a lot of them start the back half of the book starting to involve movement from one point to the other. Um, shooting on the move is something that as you get more comfortable, you should definitely look into doing. Um, it's, I think it was like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. I picked mine up on Amazon. It's been great. I got highlighting in there and sticky notes and all kinds of stuff that I work on. Um, in conjunction with that, shot timers um, for use on the the live range um, or dry firing. Uh, pack timers are good. Uh, if you're trying to do it on more of a budget, there are some cell phone apps. They don't work as well with, uh, with live fire um, just because the microphone in your phone is really not designed for that um but if you're dry firing um it's good for at least setting some standards you know you can set yourself to a three second par time and you know if you're completing your drill by that second buzzer you know sort of where you're at uh so it's helpful it's not the best uh but it's helpful with dry firing um i'll be honest with you guys the best investment i made right at the beginning of lockdown was i bought one of the uh dry fire mags um at dryfiremag.com, I think is the website. Uh, and what it does, they make them for Glock and they make them for the M&Ps. And uh, you just pop this bad boy in like a normal magazine. Um, first trigger pull, you kind of, you break your, your trigger there. Um, but then it's got a spring and a lever in there. And it's just, it you can change out the springs to simulate different trigger uh, pull weights and things. Uh, and it's great for dry fire practice with multiple trigger pulls. Uh, if you guys, if you have a Glock, you know, you you pull that trigger once it's a dead trigger it doesn't even flop around it just stays backward back at the wall um and you have to rack the slide to get it to reset this has been great for me with my glock 19 because it allows me to do multiple trigger pulls so i can do things like uh target transitions out racking the slide or um things like that they require more than one trigger pull uh a simulated bill drill which is just you know six rounds on target as fast as you can um and while speed, again, isn't always the most important thing, working on it every now and again is definitely uh, is definitely a valuable skill, right? 
some of the other things you, you do see these uh you know laser cartridges that you load into the uh the chamber and when you pull the trigger it it punches the back of the cartridge and you get a little red dot i know there's some phone apps and stuff that work in conjunction with those i'm sorry conjunction with those um and they that can be valuable but you kind of you have to rack your slide with those every time so um cost benefit analysis you guys figure that out for yourself whether it's really worth it or not um they're not terribly expensive anymore um and they can get more expensive just depending on how much you want to spend um you know and then uh just look at how you're spending your time right whether you're uh drawing from concealment or your frontline gear uh concealment is obviously uh under a shirt or in the winter practice with a hoodie and a shirt or a jacket clearing your garment is huge with concealed carry uh and it can obviously really get in the way and slow you down when you look at what your uh situation is so be proficient with both know how you're going to clear that garment and get over that uh because it's the last thing you want to do is get into a situation where you need to get to that gun and you can't because your 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 hoodie is uh, you know, stuck or your shirt's tucked in the wrong way or your jacket's zipped up and you're not ready, right? Uh, so, you know, if you're drawing from frontline gear or first line, I should say, uh, a battle belt, um, just make sure you're being disciplined with it. Um, if you have a Kydex holster, make sure you're, you're practicing uh, a, a good indexing point, right? That first grip and contact with the the grip of the pistol um break it down your draw stroke and everything uh one again going too fast too soon is a huge killer of uh your positive results there um will you get faster at it sure you'll probably get faster by default um but you'll be slower lining up your sights your grip won't be what it needs to be and that's huge right if you don't have a good grip that as soon as that means you get that gun out and you have to spend time then finagling your hands around making sure you get a good positive grip on and then you have to realign your sights and then you can start thinking about where your finger is on that trigger right so again isolation and fundamentals um i personally really like the safari land holsters uh they have a second level retention on it so what that means in english terms is uh it's a little like a lock on it that clips onto your ejection port of the pistol and in order for you to draw the pistol there's a lever that you have to press down with your thumb and then pull up with the gun um so if you were ever fall on the ground or something obviously that's going to help keep the gun in the holster but it's also going to make it harder for somebody to sneak up behind you or in a fight or something take that that gun out of that holster with you um i, I just think it's a better option uh than a regular kydex holster nothing against some of the kydex companies out there great products uh very durable and everything uh it's just not my preferred um my preferred way to run a, a holster if i'm running a battle belt or a range belt or anything like that um, i know safari land has a lot of options out there for um mid-ride and low ride if you want to drop it a little bit further down your leg um, that can be beneficial. Um, if you're a taller guy like me, you got really long arms, having that gun up on your belt line is sometimes kind of awkward and you kind of got to mess with the, uh, the angles of your body and your arms, uh, to, to make that draw stroke really work well for you. So something to consider, um, if there's one piece of advice I can give with that, it's to avoid the, the old school nineties SWAT holsters that drop their drop leg, um, down to like your kneecap. If you have to contort yourself um, and kind of dip down like you're scratching your knee to get to your gun, it's too low. Okay, 
Um, <clears throat> but getting back to the, the dry fire, um, this is pretty much the most practical way for you to practice uh, right now, right? With the cost of ammo, man, it really doesn't make sense. Uh, I mean, that's not to say it doesn't make sense. It's you kind of have to weigh it out with how much ammo you have if you want to be prepared for things that are maybe yet to come. And the, again, the cost benefit of going to the range. Uh, in addition to it's just going to cost money to go, it's, you're not going to be able to replace that ammo like we could a year ago. Oh, I went and dropped, you know, spent 250 rounds of nine millimeter at the range. I can go back to the store and replace that. Now, you, I mean, you can, but it's going to cost you a lot more uh, and you may not be able to immediately find it. So think about that. You know, this is free. Uh, it leaves you extra money to put into, you know, more ammo if you're able to find it. Uh, other gear, if maybe you need a mag pouch or you're saving up to buy some higher quality kit or something, you know, uh, save money where you can, man. Don't do this stuff where you buy the cheap optic and then you spend money to get a little better optic and then down the road you spend money to get the good optic that you really wanted to begin with and in the process you you just wasted two hundred dollars on cheaper crappy optics that you're doing anything to do with anymore okay and i say this as somebody who did it <laughs> so um let my failings be a learning experience for you don't just run out and, and just spend money to spend money think about it plan it out uh i always talk about when people ask me i say well think about where you want to be in terms of your setup your overall setup in a realistic one, you don't need to have all the, you don't need a red dot sight on your pistol. You don't need to have a $2,500, you know, staccato or, or 1911 or something. Um, but think about where you want to be in terms of a competent setup and then work your way backwards from that and kind of plan out your roadmap, how you're going to get there. Um, and it's not always going to be the cheap, it's super cheap, uh, but it will be the most cost effective. You'll, you'll waste the least amount of money. Um, the other pl uh, plus side to this really, you can do whatever you want right? Whenever you have time, because ranges are only open till like what, six, seven o'clock, uh, eight, maybe your basement's open whenever you are right. Um, so if, if you, maybe you work a day job that, that has demanding hours, right? Uh, maybe you work in the afternoon shift. So, uh, you know, you're leaving between getting ready and, and going to work and then coming home and stuff. You're busy from 10 30 or 11 in the morning until seven or eight at night. Well, then you have to take a, what, a day off of work and miss out on pay to go to the range. You know, uh, yeah, maybe you still have to do that, but you can do it less. You can work on stuff, dry fire, that is going to make your, your live fire range training more beneficial. Or uh, make you more prepared, more confident for when you go out and take that training class, uh, you know, outdoors live fire with one of these companies that that travel the country and offer and offer training classes um, it's going to really it's going to fix a lot as long as you hold yourself accountable and hold yourself to a good a good level and uh and good standards but like i've been saying you know um like i just did say with your standards it's it's also more forgiving which on the positive it's less discouraging um it allows you to build comfort and confidence the negative side of dry fire and why a lot of people bash it, I think the people that bash it really don't don't know. Okay, I've not heard any credible instructors talk about you. You should never, you should never dry fire. It's a dumb idea. You always need a live fire. Um, 
the negative is that you, a obviously there's no recoil, right? You're not live firing, so there's no recoil. That's something that you have to isolate on the flat range. Um, and once you have that figured out with your grip and everything, then again it builds to that that greater skill set that we've been talking about. Um, but it's just you know there's pros and cons to everything. So is this a perfect solution? No, I think. Though, like I said at the beginning, given the situation we're in right now, this is a damn good solution to not having access to an abundance of ammo and not having access to a flat range. Um, and honestly, it, it can still teach you things. You know, um, maybe where you built your battle belt and set up your magazines, maybe that's not the best place for your magazine pouches or your medical pouch or, or your pistol setup. Maybe you got to tweak things around a little bit. Um, or maybe you're running a plate carrier or a chest rig or something and you're doing rifle reloads or even maybe how you set your sling up uh, or your optic is either too low or too high, whatever. This can teach you a lot. And again, it's free. So I don't really see a lot of uh, negative impact here. Um, but again, it's subjective. You know, everyone's gonna have their opinion. Uh, I think though, if you if you're somebody out there who really doesn't know, um, talk to your friends that are in law enforcement, in military. Maybe they're competitive shooters. Maybe they're just hobby shooters. Whatever. I really don't think you're gonna get too many people telling you that dry fire is a bad thing, because it's not. Um, getting past dry fire, right? What else we can do off the range to prepare and practice? Um, we do talk about medical right? One of the big things that's, that has taken off, it seems in the last couple of years is tourniquets, right? You should always carry a tourniquet. Keep one in your range bag. I have one in my car just, you know, just because, um, I carry, I have one set up on my plate carrier on my battle belt. Um, you know, when I started working from home during lockdown, I'd want to sit at my computer desk and I would just sit there and, uh, you know, when I was on a conference call or watching a presentation or something, you can sit there and just practice applying that. Okay. Um, on your leg, on your arm, whatever you got to do, uh, or learning how to refold it to restage it properly. That's all stuff that, you know, it's like, Oh, great. Yeah. You're just wasting some time messing around with the tourniquet. Well, you're really not though. It's never wasting time if you're benefiting from it in one way or another. And, Talking about fine motor skills and things under stress, I don't know if there's many more stressful situations in life than having a gunshot wound and needing to be able to apply a tourniquet properly. So that is probably the, like, honestly, top three most beneficial things you could be working on uh, is, is, is tourniquet uh, preparation and tourniquet application. Um, you can do it while you're watching TV, right? When you're laying on the couch, laying on the ground, sitting in a chair, you know, it's not unrealistic to think that you could be sitting in your car and get shot in the arm or the leg. Um, if you have questions on that stuff, cause honestly, there's a ton of questions with medical and anatomy and all those things. Uh, there's some good videos on YouTube, um, on how to prep your, your tourniquet and how to apply it. Um, I know prep medic is one that had a pretty good video on it. And so it was, uh, on Instagram, I think it might've been on YouTube. It was, uh, that gear dude, I think is his handle. Uh, I believe he's law enforcement in the Florida area. Um, but he had a really good video on how to stage your tourniquet so that you can just pull that bad boy out and it's already, it's going to fold open on or, or unfold rather. And you can slide it on whichever way you need to go. And then you just rip on that thing and it tightens down. Um, if you're looking to buy a tourniquet, the uh, 
the cat tourniquet, it's combat application tourniquet, I think is probably tops on the market right now. There's some pretty, there's some other pretty good ones out there. Uh, but are you talking about ease of use, ease of preparation and, uh, accessibility on the market? The cat tourniquet, I think is probably, uh, is probably tops if I, if I had to make a recommendation. Um, and past that, you know, uh, just do research, uh, how to apply, uh, pressure dressings, gauze, you know, uh, what do you do on a part of the body where you can't apply a tourniquet? You know, you uh, you stuff with gauze, right? You have to stop the bleeding. Um, there's, there's classes for that stuff too. You know, uh, there's a local, uh, gun store in, in my area. Um, they had one last year and I'm waiting for them to honestly host another one this year, uh, a stop the bleed class. I think it was like 60 bucks or something. It was like three or four hours and you practice on like a mannequin that is set up to, you know, fake blood and everything. Uh, you just learn how to apply bandages correctly. You learn how to, uh, how to stuff a wound, uh, with, uh, with gauze and when to apply any quick clot or anything like that. Uh, so it's great stuff to, to know about. And it doesn't, again, you don't have to go to a gun range to, to do that. Um, your local Red Cross might be another good resource for CPR classes and things like that. And a lot of the time you can get them for free. I know I got a CPR certification from the Red Cross and, uh, which involved some tourniquet training free through work. They paid for it and they paid me to be there because it was during the work day. So that's, that's kind of, that's a pretty big bonus. Uh, you know, and, and then really just to kind of, to hit it and round things out, uh, just make sure you're prepared physically, right? Eat healthy, you know, um, cut out the pop, the sugar, the junk food, fast food. I mean, we're all guilty. I know I definitely am. Uh, but make good choices, make smart choices, right? That again, that, that, you know, doesn't involve a gun. It doesn't involve a, a range, but that you're going to see a lot of benefit from that. Your stamina, uh, if you're ever in a situation where you have to run or be mobile, you know, you don't want to be in that kind of shape where you can't get up and run across the house the way you need to because of your physical limitations. So keep all that kind of stuff in mind. Being healthy is just as much a part of our preparation as anything else we do. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you can do right now. Uh, and there's a, I, I say it in almost every video, I feel like, there's a large degree of uncertainty in the world today. So plan for the worst, hope for the best. Uh, if, if you, God forbid, and I, you know, knock on some wood here, you know, um, I hope that nobody finds, nobody listening ever finds himself in a situation they have to use any of this stuff. Uh, I certainly hope I never have to. Um, but who knows, you know, uh, I, I would rather be prepared and, uh, and be able to take care of myself and those around me in one of these kinds of situations than be unprepared and make myself a liability in a situation like this. Um, I'd like to be an asset. So uh, just, you know, some things to consider. Like I said, uh, a lot of people out buying firearms right now, a lot of people are starting to consider preparations and, and ask themselves the what ifs, right? Uh, and it changes daily, it seems like, depending on whatever whatever headline we have in the news. Uh and it feels like it only gets worse, right? So uh, that's all I got for you guys this week. Uh, I hope you found this uh, beneficial, enlightening even. Um, we're going to be putting a lot of this content uh, up on the Instagram page. That's at Prepared Mindset Pod on, uh, on Instagram. Uh, and if you guys have questions, 
It's uh, prepared.mindset.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, send in questions. Send in some topics you'd like to hear us discuss. Uh, we're always looking for, for input and feedback. Uh, we're going to have a couple guest speakers on the next few episodes. That's the plan anyways. Uh, as soon as we can get some things sorted out, uh, we're always looking to do better. So drop us a line, give us a follow on Instagram, and uh, you know subscribe on Spotify. Tell your friends. Help us uh, get the message out, get the word out. And, uh, and, and grow the mindset, right? So until next time, guys, uh, be safe and be prepared.